Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. You old lady! Ed Graney. I'm not surprised the only women you see naked are in magazines. Tyler Bischoff. Again, this is really not my field. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Welcome back. Yeah. Gang's back together. Did Josh McDaniels really say yesterday when asked if the starters are going to play in Miami that he hasn't named the starters yet? I believe he has. Well, it's, <laughs> it's a clean slate. Open for competition. What about that Derek Jared Carr Stidham. guy? Jared Stidham is open for competition on the clean slate. What about Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro? Probably they starters? starters. They're <laughs> we, probably starters. You sure about that? He hasn't named them yet. I don't know. I think Devontae Adams might make the team. I'm, I'm almost sure that <laughs> watching all these practices for all these weeks, every week, uh, he seems to be pretty good. Oh, Mac Hollins, yeah, Keelan Cole, they're gonna well, push him out. And no I'll room tell you for what, him. Devontae doesn't run the Mac Hollins mile. In fact, when we asked him, he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, does Mac Hollins run a mile every day? Yes, the famous Mac Hollins mile. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows this is famous except you. Yeah, I wrote all about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mac Hollins mile. <laughs> He he has guys. I, I don't know in training camp, but definitely through eight OTAs and and off season, he has this mile run on the field where he. I don't know if he pressures other guys who do, to do oh, it. Oh, he pressures but, other guys, but uh, they do it with him. And uh, yeah, Foster Morrow said, uh, you know, you complain about it, you don't want to do it, it's not good after a workout, and then you go do it <laughs> because you know, you know what, get it done, just do it. But uh, yeah, Mac Hollins, he's got the how is, smile. How is Mac Hollins the one peer pressuring his teammates? He's taking this? advantage of things. He knows it's a clean but slate. But it's Mac Hollins. Yeah, but it's a clean it's slate. It's not Devontae Adams. Like, if Devontae Adams was like, hey, guys, we're running a mile, I think most people would feel obligated. Mac Hollins walks yeah. in and says we're running yeah. a mile, and people are like, wait, who are you? It's open competition. And this is before practice? No, this is after. No, it's after. Uh, even more of a reason which not he, to do it. Even, that's what. Uh, uh, Morris said is that he said um, that's when you don't want to do it and you're tired and he's out there and you just feel like, well, if he's out there, we should be out there with him. You know, he goes, he goes, you just shut up and do it. Like, but, but Devontae Adams had no idea what it was. That's what he said. I mean, if you believe me, he said, because at the end of his press conference after the day after we talked to Matt Collins and, you know, he told us all about the mile and why they do it and everything. We said, do you run the Matt Collins mile? He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I run 12 miles in practice. <laughs> So, so, okay. So Mac Hollins feels comfortable going up to Foster Morrow and asking him to run a mile. I mean, I don't know if he goes not, up and asks him, but does not feel comfortable telling Devonte Adams, Hey, come run a mile with me. That's probably true. That's what I'm getting here. That's probably true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he asks anybody or he's just out there running and they're like, what's he doing? Also Devonte Adams saying he runs 12 miles in practice. I'm assuming they track that. And that's a legitimate stat that he runs. Maybe not. He runs so many miles in practice. If I was a teammate, I'd be like, no, no, Mac. Look look at the data here. I just ran 8.6 miles in practice. I'm not running another one with you. It's ridiculous. Great story. You should have kept up on it. I should have. You should have known this. This. This, is, this is like the best story from training camp. This is way <laughs> better than like where Darren, well, aside from where Darren Waller is, which we'll get to that later in the show. Uh, this is the best story I've heard so far. It's. Where's Darren Waller? Mac Hollins makes everybody run a mile. And Cleveland Furl, is he alive? Have not seen him. <sighs> He's got uh, the Mac Hollins mile. He has it down to a science. Like, it's so many trips around the field. And then from the 50 to the end zone, both end zones, you know, the length of both end zones, because, you know, how many fields they have out there. 
coming back. He's got it right down Just to the get Mark Davis to put a track in around no, one of the I fields. I like this better. Matt and Collins then, is a smart guy. Yeah, what if he miscalculated and you're out there running one point two five miles well, instead? Foster said we think it's a little more than exactly. a mile. Exactly. <laughs> he miscalculated. <laughs> The first bite. Are the Raiders the worst team in the AFC West? Hot take. No. Oh, why do these why do these simulations continue? Nobody to, likes they, them. They they continue to downgrade the Raiders. I don't know why they're doing this. So, Have they seen this offense? Well, uh, we haven't seen the offense. <laughs> Austin Mock of the Athletic has uh, ran a hundred thousand simulations of the NFL season. And it spit out this probability for the Raiders to win the AFC West 8.9% and to make the playoffs 32.8%, the most common win total for the Raiders in those 100,000 simulations was eight. Now, if you compare that across the AFC West, if we're just looking at chance to win the division, Kansas City came in at 44.1%. The Chargers at 27.1, Denver at 19.9, and then the Raiders at 9. So the, the third worst team, Denver, is twice more twice as more I likely to win the division that. than the Raiders. Do you really agree with that? No, because I earlier in the summer, and my thought hasn't changed, I think the Broncos are finishing last and the right. Raiders are finishing third. Now, I don't I I could I could believe you if you told me there's a 9% chance they win the division. Like I don't think that number is crazy, but I do think it's a little crazy that Denver's at 20 and the Raiders are at 9%. Right. Like I don't think there's going to be that much between those two teams this year. So his simulations are not uh favoring the Chargers and they're not really uh close in terms of winning the division, which again surprises no. me because now, I guess it shouldn't surprise me because the Chargers in the last several years have kind of been that sexy pick that everyone thinks are so good. And the simulation knows that. The simulation knows that. <laughs> yeah, the simulation knows that. So why they're spitting it out this way. Um, that surprises me. I don't know what surprises me more, that they're that far behind the Chiefs or that the Raiders are that far behind Denver. Probably that the Raiders are far, that far behind Denver. Yeah, I think so too. Like for the Broncos, yes, they upgraded the most important position and they it probably made the biggest upgrade a team has made in well hell since the Broncos got Peyton Manning honestly like right. it's one of the biggest upgrades a team's had because of what Drew Locke was the guy was atrocious right that's who Denver was trotting out there as the quarterback so even if Russell Wilson is just like an average NFL quarterback he's a bigger upgrade the Broncos are going to be much better and Russell Wilson will probably be better than average this year Russell Wilson has a chance to be a top five type quarterback I don't think he'll do that but that wouldn't be the craziest thing if Russell Wilson did that. So I think that I think a lot of it comes back to quarterback. And if you were to rank the quarterbacks in the division, that's kind of the order you'd go through Mahomes, Herbert, Wilson, Carr, right? That that'd be the general consensus for best quarterbacks in the AFC West. Because outside of that, like if you went through position by position, where are the Raiders better than just, just do the Broncos alone. Right, the Raiders have better wide receivers and right. throw Darren Waller in as a receiving right. tight end. They're better in that area, but they're worse on offensive line. Right, running backs probably favors wash. Denver, but it's not significant one way or the other. And then defensively, maybe the Raiders have better edge rushers, maybe. But outside of that, the Broncos are better at every single spot defensively. So that adds up to the Broncos probably being a little bit better. 
but not double their chance to win the division. And if you go to playoff odds, right? Chiefs are at 77, Chargers are at 64, Denver's at 55. Like the Broncos have more often than not, they're in the playoffs in these simulations while the Raiders are at 33. So one third of the time that also seems high that the Broncos would be one and two going to the postseason, and the Raiders are only one in every three seasons. So I'd love to know, and maybe you do the complete data that he puts into these simulations to spit these numbers out. Oh, a lot of analytics. I mean, there's got to be a lot of analytics, a ton of analytics that go into these things that he would have in his, uh, pocket there to put these simulations in to do this thing a hundred thousand times yeah um a lot of uh expected points added dvoa stuff like that a lot of the main media analytics that people tend to use to evaluate teams outside of their win-loss record and quarterbacks outside of their win-loss record so it's uh yeah that's that's where it's coming from and i mean here i will say this about basically all of the teams in the afc west right the Raiders, their most likely win total is eight. Their second most likely win total is nine. And, you know, eight and a half is about the the over-under for wins this year. But, like, winning 10 and 11 games, it's still relatively likely. And that's kind of the case for every team in this division, right? There's right. not It's not crazy for any of the teams in the division to win 11 games no. this year, right? That's Kansas City's average win total Just, is 11. But, like, it's not crazy for any of these teams to win 11, where if you go to some of the other divisions that they've done, like, um, the Texans and the Jags, they're not winning 11 games this year. So it's still, they're still for a, for a fourth player team projected to finish fourth. They still have a pretty high ceiling. Most teams projected to finish fourth are awful, terrible teams. Yeah. So they're still, it's yes, they're projected to finish fourth, but it's a matter of who is in their division. Cause I, I said this yesterday with Adam candy, you put the, uh, what division did I use the NFC North. You, if the Raiders were in the NFC North, yeah, the Packers are probably better than the Raiders, but outside of that, Raiders are second in that division. Raiders are going to the postseason, right? If they were if they're in the NFC, if they swap places with just say Detroit, Raiders are second best in their division. The Raiders are like a shoe in for the playoffs. Wonder if they swap positions with Adam Candy's Giants. Uh they yeah, they, they might win probably the division. Sec- might win the division right. or at least second to the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd be like Cowboys, Raiders, and Eagles. You'd right. be like all three could win the division, but None of those three are as good as the Chiefs, and probably none of those three are as good as the Chargers. Chargers. So, yeah, it, put them in that division, and we're talking about a fun three-team race for the uh, NFC East title, which actually that would be pretty fun if those three teams were in the same division because they're probably all in a similar tier in terms of how good they are. I just don't know why I'm not I'm not buying Denver. Man, we're I'm homers not. this morning. Yeah. We're turning anti Denver. Well, I'm not into, buying I I'm not I'm not saying that the Raiders are gonna finish ahead of Kansas City or the Chargers either. Come I on, just, go no, all in. I can't go all in division winners. It's enough of a hot take to say that they're gonna finish ahead of Denver given the numbers <laughs> and the simulations. I think he just did a whole bunch of Madden season simulations. <laughs> I don't think it's real science. No, somebody it. does Madden that. Science. I gotta I'll have to go find it. Somebody does that usually every year where they run Madden simulations. I, I used to do it a lot. Like if I, I don't was, mean like Danny sitting there pressing simulate one time. They well, do no, it like a hundred thousand times. If I was if I was bored one day and like I had to do like schoolwork or whatever. I would just put on either NBA or Madden and like simulate a full length game and just like and every then you'd now go and then, bet go according to that, is that how you come up with your season long over under bets? Is you simulated on? Oh uh, no, I have a dartboard at home, and I just kind of throw and see what <laughs> it is. Yes. Well, we've heard sense. some of the bets. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Did you? You missed his other bet. He bet which um, one? The Rams will be the first team to score seven touchdowns in a game. This oh season. no, I, I, oh, you I, did I was listening. That? I was listening. Yeah, 
Yeah, I what? Doesn't, I don't it doesn't know where have he to came be. What? It doesn't have to be all that offensive. That doesn't like make I said. it better. No. Why not? It makes <laughs> it fun. I can't believe that. I can't believe that props. Up Why there. does that exist for Danny to bet and lose money <laughs> hey, on it? Like I was telling them, I don't know if you heard this part, but the Raiders are actually they're only ten to one. I got the Rams at fifteen to one to score seven touchdowns. Yeah, the first team in the league. Yep, score and seven touchdowns. The, I believe is the Bills <laughs> are five to one, and the Chiefs are six to one. <laughs> okay, and then the Raiders are ten to one. Raiders aren't going to do it in three weeks, let alone one game. Uh, you never know. There's always a chance. What was the stat that uh, Candy gave us? Was it like seven quarterbacks have done it in the have history? Seven quarterbacks have like thrown for seven touchdowns yeah. or more. So, what so Candy think of your bets? I mean, he laughed I, at I a lot of them. I think it's Candy's favorite segment. I think it's his favorite thing that we've ever done. Of, with the, of Danny's bets? Is Danny just telling us what we're d- He's betting all of the player props for the Aces playoff game tomorrow. I did it on Wednesday. It, well, I, <laughs> I did two of the up. three. He like, doesn't even care what the player props are. He's just betting all of them. I did two of the three on Wednesday. I went one and one. So it's fun times. Danny. So you're betting them all tomorrow? Yeah, most likely. It makes it fun because I'm also going to the game. Okay. So He's it makes all, it more exciting. He also told us that he bet the aces at, would you get a minus 15 and a half? Yes. Because he was worried the line was going to go up and he had to get value on the aces. Oh, you line. saw 50, you get 15 and a half. I saw 16. <laughs> Just like I tweeted at you yesterday, Tyler. <laughs> I'm, the fully line's aware. Already I moving. I'm fully aware. I'm fully aware the line has moved, but Danny's in here worried about getting that half a point <laughs> on his aces bet. <laughs> Coming up next, Deshaun Watson. His suspension finally announced. What do you apologize for? For everyone that was affected about this situation, there was a lot of people that was triggered. But not the women that accused you of this? I apologize to all women. So anybody that was affected, even yourself, every, everything. So I'm apologizing to everyone that was affected about this whole situation. Would you make the same deal today? And if so, why? Yes, we would. And we mentioned at the time that you know, our process was thorough. We felt like we made an informed decision. We do believe that Deshaun has strong, positive qualities. We strongly believe, strongly believe people deserve a second chance. We believe Deshaun Watson deserves a second chance. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. So yesterday during the show, and actually was it during Josh McDaniel's press conference, uh, the suspension for Deshaun Watson news came out. He's getting 11 games, a fine of $5 million. He will be eligible to return in week 13, the 12th game of the season for the Browns, which will be against the Houston Texans. Ed, you surprised Deshaun Watson's yeah. suspension was 11 games. I kind of go back to what you and I were saying when they appealed it, and it went to Goodell, who got one of his guys to hear it. So I thought all along it was going to be for the full season. I thought they'd come back and adhere to what Goodell wanted. But he did not. Um, again, it's 11 games. We said this over and over and over. So now it's set. It's over. What if in the you know the six weeks from now someone else comes forward? Um, this is already set. I guess they could go back and, and, and investigate him again. But, yeah, I'm surprised it was 11 games. I don't know where. I guess it was a middle ground, right? He just chose the middle ground. Well, and by they, the way, he will have no it. problem paying the $5 million fine. Yeah, they, they settled on the the middle ground of 11 games between the initial suspension of six and the NFL saying they wanted a full season. I, I don't understand why the NFL agreed to a settlement. That's the part I, I don't understand in this process. 
the NFL had all of the power. And the commissioner of the NFL came out and said that the evidence supported a, a season-long right. suspension. So I do not understand why the NFL settled. I, I don't get it. Well, like, what would have been their next move had they not settled on this and continued to push for a year if the arbitrator said, no, it's 11 games? Well, if the arbitrator said it was 11 games, then it was 11 games. Right. Then that's that's what – because this was the appeal process right. for the NFL. Now, Yeah, they, they right. appealed to themselves, the, essentially. Yeah, yes, they did. Now, if the arbitrator had said it's 17 games, I believe there would have been a process for Deshaun Watson to either appeal or sue them. But I don't understand why the NFL didn't do that because ultimately they, whatever, I don't know how this ended up in the CBA, right? I don't know what conversation was had to where they, the players side agreed to give Roger Goodell right. the power of the appeal process, yes. but they did. So the NFL had complete control here. The commissioner said that it should have been a season long suspension or the evidence was there for it. And yet, they settled on 11 They games. were okay with I, 11. I don't understand why. Because I don't even know if the Players Association understood that they gave that power. <laughs> there was so much going into the CBA, they probably missed that point, and they were like having lunch or something. Yeah. So I just, I don't, because if you're the NFL, the the worst public image for you right now is that Deshaun Watson's not being suspended for a whole season, right? That's the worst public image. The whole process, like the process of, hey, if a player appeals his third-party suspension, it goes to Roger Goodell, is also a terrible look, right? The idea yeah. that Roger Goodell is somehow... I guess not for the NFL. Well, yeah, but just publicly, everybody's like, wait a minute, that's the process? Right. That seems stupid. But that's a much better look than Deshaun Watson only being suspended 11 games. Than Deshaun Watson uh, effectively getting away with a $5 million fine and not losing very much salary because the Browns gave him a $1 million salary this year, plus a giant signing bonus. So that to me is the worst look. And I'm just, I still don't get like, he's going to play his first mm -hmm. game against, against his the old Houston team Texans. And maybe the NFL views it as, Oh, ratings are going to be so high for that game. But like that, that to me is the worst thing that could happen. For the NFL is Deshaun Watson playing football games this year. They had the power to make it stop, but they didn't, which to me tells me they didn't really care that he was going to be suspended for a full year or not. Like they don't like at the end of the why day, why did they push it then? Why did they keep, why did the head guy keep saying that he deserved a year for the image of it? I guess like to say, Hey, we know everybody We're standing behind our strong yeah. stance. Not everybody likes this Deshaun Watson guy. So let's say that it should be a right. season long suspension. And then when we only get six from the third party, we're going to appeal it and say it should be a season again. And then we'll settle at 11. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I go back to the NFL probably didn't care as much as they sort of made it appear that they care. Well, I'll they, tell you who won't care is the Browns. If the guy wins, no, not at all. They won't. I mean, you heard yesterday a second chance. I mean, a second chance on, on these on a twenty fifth accusations. Yeah, what do you mean a second chance? How many how many accusations were there? Twenty. And okay, the other part about um, Jimmy Haslam saying that you know whatever a guy deserves a check second chance and all that that happened like ten minutes after Deshaun Watson came out and said that he was innocent. Yeah, and that he didn't yeah. need to apologize except for the how bad the whoever situation was triggered got. on this. Right. Like, if, okay, what, even if you want to go with, yep, we're giving the guy a second chance. We hope he learned from his mistakes. Deshaun Watson doesn't believe he made a mistake. Deshaun Watson no, he believes thinks he's, he's innocent. innocent. 
He, so he, he continues to say that this idea, Deshaun Watson, this is not a second chance for Deshaun Watson because not in his mind. Yeah. Cause he's out here being like, I did nothing wrong. Right. Well, second chance. What are you talking about? I didn't do anything wrong. I'm a victim of uh, false accusations is what he thinks. So the idea that you're giving him a second chance is not accurate because Deshaun Watson thinks he's innocent. And if you think you're innocent, you're not going to learn or grow from a situation. And that's what a second chance is. That's the whole point of a second chance. And that can't happen if Deshaun Watson believes he's innocent, which he clearly said yesterday. So it's, you know who I feel bad for in the football world of this Browns fans, because you have to either, if you're a Browns fan right now, you have basically three options. Both. You have two extremes. One extreme is I'm disgusted by that. And I don't want to be a fan anymore, which is hard to do. If you're a fan of a, of a team, right? That hell is probably part that, of your identity. I'm sorry. Would be the minority, right? The other extreme is to just fully defend Deshaun Watson, right? And just be like, hey, he's my quarterback. Right. He did nothing wrong. We're going to win. Which are the insane people, but it happens because it's sports. The other option is somewhere in the middle where it's like, okay, I'm still a Browns fan, but I'm not really happy Deshaun Watson's the quarterback. And those are the people I feel bad for because you're going to be a Browns fan. That's probably a big part of your life. And the quarterback the most important, the most visible player on the team, the one that's the biggest key to your team winning and losing is somebody you don't want to cheer for. So if, when Deshaun Watson runs in a game-winning touchdown, you, yeah. have to, you have to decide, hey, I'm celebrating, or I'm like, yeah, gross. Again, I think most are celebrating. I do, too. I think they're fans. And fans I don't want to win. I don't blame a lot of them because that's what we I, – I don't think it would be different for Browns fans than it would be any other fan base No, in the NFL or in sports. No. And so that's kind of who I feel bad for because they're basically forced to cheer for Deshaun Watson, which nobody should want to do. Uh, real quick, I wanted, um, since we don't have too much more time in this segment, I wanted to ask this yesterday, but we had forgot. Um, along this settlement, also the NFL and Cleveland are donating a million dollars to uh, sexual assault victims to help them get better, the charities. Is it weird that Houston wasn't fined at all in this whole situation? Like, I haven't seen anything about them having to donate or being fined by the NFL or anything. Well, they've basically feigned ignorance. Well, they, also with, didn't, they also didn't play them. But they also supplied the NDAs. Right, but I, they've basically feigned ignorance, being like, well, we didn't, we didn't know he was doing that. And... I, as far as we know, I don't know exactly what all the investigations turned over. I haven't seen anything that said, oh, the Texans absolutely knew what he was doing. Right. They gave him an NDA, so obviously there's a red flag there yeah. on what's this guy doing. But I don't, I don't believe until somebody turns it over and says, oh, yeah, uh, six of these women went straight to the Texans and told them this is what he did. Unless that happens, I doubt the Texans. I mean, they settled with 30 women. They right. settled lawsuits, but I don't think the NFL is going to do well, anything. To and them. if the Browns are involved in giving this money to charity, isn't that just another sign of the whole second chance? I mean, if they're involved with giving money to charity yeah, I, for, I, for sexual, uh, I think that's abuse. just the Browns trying to do anything to be like, look, we're okay, we're we're not the bad guys. When in re- when they gave Deshaun Watson two hundred thirty million and so, guaranteed, good job with that one million for the sexual assault right. victims. You know, that's a. Could give them $230 million. Yes. That might go well. So there's uh, Deshaun Watson news coming up next. Ben Brown joins the show. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. Good morning, Ben. Hey ben. How are you today? 
Good morning, guys. Uh, happy Friday. I'm looking forward to you know some preseason action coming up again here tonight. All right. It's going to be good. All right. We'll get to the preseason in a second. But first, uh, Danny is uh, producing the show today. And Danny occasionally fills us in on some weird bets that he makes. Uh, the one that he's made this offseason is that the Rams will be the first team in the NFL to score seven touchdowns in a single game. How do you feel about betting on the Rams to score seven touchdowns and be the first to do it this season? Um, I, I'm honestly probably not very bullish on the Los Angeles Rams this year. I know there's, you know, repeat Super Bowl champions, everything else. Uh, I do think a lot of things came together for them to actually get to that stage. Uh, and I think buying into that twice uh, is just not an approach that I'm willing to take. But, um, you know, first game, obviously, Buffalo Bills. I, I'm hoping it happens in that particular week for Danny because I do think that's obviously got to be the best bet, 52-point total. <laughs> uh, but outside of that, you know, they go to Atlanta in week two. I don't think they're going to need to score seven touchdowns in that particular matchup. And then it's kind of, you know, maybe a little bit more of a low-scoring game. So if it doesn't happen week one, uh, I, I don't really love the odds on the Rams to be the first team to do that. Danny, uh, if you didn't get by that bet, is a bit of a degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my favorite kind of people. That is so. uh, I am actually hoping the Rams do score seven touchdowns in a game, but they do it in the afternoon window after somebody else scored seven in the morning window. Oh, yeah. And so Danny doesn't win his bet. That would be heartbreaking. The maximum, yeah, the maximum pain situation, that's for sure. So. <laughs> What is the uh, most degenerate bet you've made? I'm. It could just be a preseason game for all I know, some prop or something like that. I mean, I've been wagering way too much on preseason action. I would say that. And I definitely uh, um, got ran over a little bit, I would say, on betting under totals uh, in week one of preseason. I don't know if that makes me too degen, but I was hoping for uh, a lot more defensive struggles happening, and that did not result in week one, which is kind of interesting because we have seen you know the week two numbers uh, especially from a totals perspective, kind of take off here. But uh, I'm more of a week-to-week better, so I don't really uh, wager too much on you know the, the exotic futures markets that a lot of people like to get into. Well, we now know about Deshaun Watson, 11 games, uh, and the, the fine, he'll have no problem uh, paying. Uh, does this change your mind on anything with the Browns now that you know exactly what it'll be? Um, not a lot, because I do think once, you know, once it moved past kind of this like eight, six to eight game threshold, it's going to be really difficult for them to come back in the second half of the season uh, and be relevant in the AFC North. So I do still think uh, they are very much in position to probably finish third if, if, the, if the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, overachieve uh, given, you know, the sum of their parts that they have in camp right now. Maybe they end up finishing fourth right now, but uh, I don't see any way that they're going to be competing uh, to win that AFC North Conference with the two teams that I think are clearly above them, uh, especially with Deshaun Watson out. But even with Deshaun Watson in, I think they'd have to be playing some of their best football in order to compete with Cincinnati and Baltimore. I just don't expect that to happen relatively quickly with you know Deshaun Watson coming into the fold in that Week 12 game. So. so what you're saying is my bet for the Browns to miss the playoffs was a good choice. It was a very good choice. Yeah, I think the Browns to uh, you know finish fourth in that division also a very good choice. That might have been uh, one of the most degenerate bets I made this offseason, but I did uh, wager some on the Browns finishing exactly fourth in the AFC North at pretty decent odds uh, when there was a lot more uncertainty unknown. So I think if I was labeling my you know bets this offseason from a degenerate standpoint, I think that was probably uh, the biggest one that I made so far. I like that two minutes ago you said you don't make exotic futures, but yet you placed multiple months ago a team exact finish in their division. 
Right, right. I know. I need to. I, I had to look up my spreadsheet of all the ones, and I realized that I'm uh, severely under underplaying uh, the amount of bets that I have coming up for this season. That's for sure. Is there in true degenerate fashion? So, <laughs> so we don't know if we're going to see Derek Carr, Devontae Adams in the preseason for the Raiders. Is there anything? Have you looked into sort of week one teams that did not play their starters in the preseason? Is there anything there to bet on or try to take advantage of? That's a really good question. I actually have not, um, I have not looked at that a whole lot, at least as far as like getting actual uh, game reps in the preseason. Obviously, things you know did shift uh, pretty dramatically with a lot of these like joint practices happening throughout the week. So I do think you know taking that into account as well, uh, it would be really interesting to look into. I know you know the the prevailing I think theory or hypothesis before was. Uh, those teams typically started off a little bit slower, but uh, I haven't seen anything and I haven't really looked at the data in order to actually confirm that. So I would be a little hesitant to uh, probably wager based solely on, you know, some of those uh, ideas or, or theories, but uh, it's definitely something to look into, I would say for sure. Uh, where do you stand on the Raiders, by the way? I don't know if we've asked you that. Uh, we, we opened the show with uh, some athletic simulations that had them only a 32% chance to make the playoffs. Uh, is that too low? They actually had them fourth in the division. Yeah, I think they're. I think they're going to finish third. Is probably where I would be betting on them to finish. Uh, I I am pretty big believer in the uh, the Chargers taking that step forward that a lot of people expect them to. Obviously, Justin Herbert's showing nothing but uh, being you know on the verge of being this top three type quarterback in the NFL. I like a lot of the pieces they added, uh, especially defensively. J.C. Jackson uh, drafted some guys really well as well. And I do think, you know, Brandon Staley kind of being more so on that defensive side of the football, at least where he came up from, you know, the coaching ranks. I think they're going to have a really good defense and a really good offense. So they're a team I'm definitely worried about. Uh, and, I, and I still believe in the Kansas City Chiefs as well. I know, you know, people expect them to maybe take a step back, but uh, I think Andy Reid's going to kind of be able to you know, transform that offensive scheme to be a lot more underneath type stuff. And if they can get, you know, Travis Kelsey, at least, you know, 75 to 80% of what he was the past two seasons, I still think they're going to be a top three offense as well. But uh, I would be surprised if the Raiders don't probably finish third in that division. But, um, you know, that's still maybe an outside chance at the playoffs. But uh, they're, they're, you know, top 11, top 12 team from PFF's perspective. It's just more so... Uh, you know, the situation around them with the division and the conference being uh, a lot more difficult than what a lot of other teams have to deal with. All right. What did you bet on for this week in the preseason? I got some, I got some Panthers tonight. Uh, the line has moved against me just a little bit, unfortunately. <laughs> but I, you know, I think uh, when you're kind of betting on some of these preseason actions, I do think you're going to see, you know, the teams with this sort of quarterback controversy, uh, you know, extend out some of the reps that both those guys are going to take. And I also think, you know, P.J. Walker, Matt Carell as well, are more than capable uh, quarterbacks at the NFL level already. So I think, you know, those four guys should be able to cover plus five against the New England Patriots tonight, especially if, you know, you question whether Bill Belichick's going to be all that motivated. Um, it sounds like, you know, a lot of their, their uh, you know, practices this week have been pretty chippy, but... Um, I think we're going to come out and see, you know, a somewhat motivated Panthers team. So I do think they're going to cover plus five. And uh, I think on the other side, maybe looking more towards the Saturday Saturday game, I have bet the San Francisco 49ers at plus five as well. Um, there's been basically no indication that Kevin O'Connell is going to play uh, the preseason, you know, his starters in the preseason with any sort of, you know, uh, you know, extended run. So I don't know if we're going to see Kirk Cousins in this particular matchup. Uh, I still think we're going to see, you know, quite a bit of Trey Lance as well. So 49ers plus five, I think, is 
uh, a pretty decent betting spot as well. So I'm riding a couple dogs, uh, avoiding any uh, avoiding any to- totals at this point in time because that was not uh, a great spot for me last week. So going to take a take a step back from those. That's for sure. You excited that Kenny Pickett is going to get more varsity action, according to Mike Tomlin? Varsity, yeah, <laughs> varsity action. Varsity yeah, action. I, um, I think so. You know, he didn't have, you know, an outstanding performance in, you know, the first preseason game, but he did basically everything asked of him. So I do think, you know, them kind of taking off a little bit more, forcing him to throw downfield a little bit more, especially in the preseason, uh, they're going to get a much better understanding of where he's at particularly and if he can actually be the starter on this team. And I do think that's probably, you know, the best ceiling type uh, outcome for them is to have Kenny Pickett starting here in week one. So I think figuring that out, as soon as possible, getting as many game reps as possible makes a lot of sense here uh, in the preseason from my perspective. All right, before we let you go, Danny is going to uh, the WNBA playoff game here in town on Saturday. The Las Vegas Aces are hosting the Phoenix Mercury, and his plan, he's already bet the Aces to cover like 15 and a half, but he's also just going to bet every single player prop that he can find. I don't even know. He doesn't even right. know what they are at the moment. He's just going to bet all of them. Well, if they're if – they're... Usually they're in line, the same games. Like all the games usually have the same player props. One or two might change. So it's like Kelsey Plum points and assists. Asia Wilson points and rebounds. Yeah, like yeah. That. but if you show up and they have a stupid one, like total turnovers in the game, you're still going to bet it. I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not, but I'm not saying I am. There, there's a situation at Aces games where if the other team misses two straight free throws, it's called miss twice, earn a slice of pizza. Danny would be the guy that votes, or excuse me, bets on missing two in a row. That's oh, who he is. There we go. A hundred percent. And the Aces went uh, 19 of 19 in the first game. So, oh, geez. I mean, if you come in <laughs> here Monday you know and tell us you bet on their free throw percentage, you're going to be kicked out of here. You're going to be kicked out. He's Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. Oh man. No, it's Danny's Danny will like hedge his bet. He'll be like he'll find a bet that's like the Phoenix Mercury will not miss two free throws in a row. That For the way slice. That way he either gets a slice of pizza or he wins the bet. I think last game they did miss twice. Everyone earned a slice. Oh, the other team? The Mercury? Phoenix, Phoenix, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, well, that's the bet. I'm going, uh, it's my family and then a good friend of mine's family, and he also loves betting. So <laughs> we might just bring a couple singles and just be like, hey, I was I'll bet say, you a dollar on this. Don't go to a sports book, just bet each yeah. other. Yeah, we could do that. That's what sure. you should do. Oh, that's yeah. way more fun. Way, because then you get to brag to your friend if you beat him, and obviously you lose. He gets to brag to you, but that's way more fun. It's way better that way. All right, coming up next. We'll jump into a little bit of the Golden Knights and their offseason. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. In the summer. All right. You told me you watched the Monsai Teo uh, yes. documentary. Yes. Give me a rundown here. How was it? I thought it was wonderful, too. Uh, I mean, very sad for him, but really yeah. well done. Uh, two episodes, an hour each. And uh, if you're out there listening, if you have any interest in the Manti Teo documentary, watch it. I thought it was great. It is the Notre Dame linebacker who had a fake internet girlfriend who died, in quotation marks, of cancer, I believe is what the the story Uh, was. Leukemia. Leukemia. uh, During his season at Notre Dame when they went to the national title game. Um, Is Manti Teo in it? He's in the so, entire thing. So he it, agreed like he agreed to do this. Yes, it's him 
and the person who did it to him going back and forth explaining it, not in the same room, not not <laughs> not together, but what his his perspective was, what uh, the person who did it's perspective was to Asasopo, and uh, yeah, it was it was fabulous. Like I said, you walk away feeling just horrible for him of what happened to him. So, what I'm curious your thoughts. I have not seen it. Um, what level of blame does Monty Teo deserve? Like, what did he what did he I mean, do wrong in this situation? Well, people would say he's gullible in this situation. Right. That he would believe it. Right. Um, but I just thought it was so egregious. If you watch this, how far this person went, even after saying she died, to then try to convince him that she really didn't die. I mean, he just kept going on and on and on with this, that... I, I felt so bad for him. I can't blame him that much. I just can't be. Other than the gullible part right. of, you know, you never really saw her. Every time you wanted to see her, there was an excuse. Um, but no, I don't. I don't put much blame on him. I know a lot of people do, but and they say, "Oh, it wouldn't happen to me." It's like, well, again, you're not in that situation. What What was the motivation of the other guy for faking it? Do you want to tackle this, or you want me to? No, go ahead. Um, it was, uh, the person who was doing it was a transgender and wasn't comfortable. Like one, it was kind of doing this to express how they really felt and they didn't like feel themselves as a man transitioning to a female who loved him. Okay. So there was a genuine, I shouldn't say relationship, but there was a genuine, like, feelings toward Monty Teo. It wasn't yes. just some Oh no, there were somebody, genuine feelings towards Monty yeah, Teo. Somebody yes. just made up a fake dating profile no. just to no. screw with Monty Teo. No, there was genuine feelings and the person admitted this afterwards um in an interview with Dr. Phil. Uh <laughs> but the the question was, were you in love with him? And the answer was yes. Yeah. Hard hitting investigative journalist, Dr. Phil. Yeah. yeah. It's what happened. It was, it was fascinating. It was fascinating how Deadspin um Got the tip that this was a fake and a hoax, and how Deadspin followed up is back when. Oh, does it? Does the documentary go into like how it was everything basically exposed or whatever? Oh, it, yeah, it um, starts from the very beginning, goes all, all the way, the way to the end. A, a writer, Deadspin, after all the things, after ESPN, Sports Illustrated, everyone had reported the story that she had, you know, supposedly died the same week or maybe a day within his grandmother dying. The entire story, someone sent. And I don't know if that's the one part. I'd have to go back and look. Maybe someone can uh, text in at 69187, preface ESPN, or tweet to us. Look at that. I don't know if it was uh, determined or said who sent the tip. It showed, like, a computer with the tip on it, like, you know, it's a hoax. And the Deadspin writer called it up, and he worked with another writer from Deadspin, and they uncovered this, um, did an incredible amount of research, which you knew they had to do. Um and then, uh, so Deadspin breaks it, and then his life goes into pure chaos at that point. Yeah. Because, you know, and they, I mean, the clips of media really kind of going after him in the beginning for assuming that he knew were just brutal. I mean, his life just completely blew up. Right, because the if I'm remembering correctly, the general assumption was that he knew it was fake and that he yeah, was, like he the, was the, somehow the sense involved. Was how could he not know? Right. And yeah, the, yeah exactly. And ultimately, he didn't I mean, know. I know if you watch this, I walked away saying he didn't know. And, <laughs> and it was just horrible for him. And, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, again, the only thing you can say is, and again, I'm not in that position. I, I I'm not going to judge him because unless you're in that position, I don't think you really know. You might say, oh, kind of be the tough guy and say, oh, I, I would know, but um, I guess just being gullible. I guess just kind of buying it when you never were able to see her. Um, she supposedly lived in California. Obviously, he was in South Bend, uh, so that kind of helped the person doing this get away with it a little. Yeah, but like, you know, how, how long did the fake relationship last? Uh, I want to say it was at least a year. I think it was his junior and senior year. Yeah, yep. And um, the article I'm reading, uh, supposedly his girlfriend died the afternoon that his grandmother died. Yeah, yeah you got to get on a plane and go to California. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I'm I, like I said, I I if you watch it. Um, it's it's incredibly well done. Like I said, he's the main part of it. He he allowed this to happen. In the documentary. He he's 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 in there explaining every step of the way what happened. Um, this person who did it with the disguising the voice as a woman. Um, ha- they have the uh, they have the voicemails. You would have never ever thought it was a male ever. I mean, how this person did this was amazing and changed the voice a lot. Called as the cousin. Called as her called as himself because there's a there's a relationship with Tuyasasopo and Manti Teo, both from Hawaii, um, you know, from uh, uh, Polynesian descent, you know, the whole football scene and all that. So what a hoax. I mean, it was just an absolute amazing story. It's incredible that we get documentaries about so many, so much stuff in sports now. Like, there's, well, and these, uh, these, um, these, there's now f- four of these coming. Uh, Tim Donaghy, I think, is going to be the next one. Oh. Wait, who's doing these? Uh, it's on Netflix. Netflix? Yeah. So Netflix is yeah, doing Netflix. it? Okay. So Tim Donaghy is the next one. I think there's one on the um, the World Cup of Sailing, uh, the America's Cup. Um, there's one on, I'm trying to think of the next one. They did previews. Is there, is there when, corruption when in the World did, Cup of Sailing? Um, they Sounds did like previews. there could be a lot of corruption in sailing. Yeah. Well, and how do you I ch- want to watch the Donaghy one for sure. Yes, I, that one sounds that sounds really fascinating. And uh, what I mentioned in uh, in the break just a couple minutes ago that uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron are doing a documentary about their Olympic team, and that will also be on Netflix. Doesn't sound as much fun as Tim Donaghy. No, Tim Donaghy. It's just going to be about better. how great they were, isn't it? There yeah, I mean, like, what yeah. else are you going to say about that team? <laughs> we were good at basketball. Yeah. 